Good dawning in the West and good afternoon in the East and all the in-between. Are you ready to enjoy the best 1800 seconds of your day? It is now time for the hottest podcast in the galaxy. My guest today is the sneaker savant. The word savant, when you look at the Webster's Dictionary meaning of it, simply states, a person of learning, especially one with detailed knowledge in some specialized field as of science or literature. But in this case, sneaker savant, his field is sneakers, kicks, tennis shoes, whatever you call it, wherever you're from. I feel like each region of the country has a different name for it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show as I talk to the sneaker savant. sneaker savant like you don't realize like me i wouldn't call myself a sneakerhead i would call myself a shoehead but i will say that you are like on my you are part of like my holy grail of people that i just find fascinating in the sneaker culture and that i've always wanted to talk to so this is a this is really exciting for me um the first question that i want to ask you is um the lebron 20 this nike lebron 20 I've seen different forms online, different pages on on Instagram, all over the internet, where I see where it's catching a lot of a lot of hate because some people are saying that it resembles the the Kobe four. But for me, honestly, when I look at the side by side of this LeBron twenty and the Kobe in the Kobe four, I, I don't see it. I, I see two do two totally different silhouettes. But what 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 is your take on that? What do you think about that? Uh, to be honest, I haven't even. You know, I haven't really looked at the, the, the LeBron line much. I don't pay too much attention to LeBron's just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the 20, the pictures that I saw actually reminded me of the KD-13, right? Just with that big swoosh and kind of the rounded yep. upper. But I can see what they're saying with the Kobe 4, especially with the, the midsole. Right? Uh-huh. The midsole breaks off into those two different pieces with the, you know, with the, the, the angle there. But um, I, I don't know, man. If you told me that this was going to be one of LeBron's SIG shoes, Mm-hmm. You know, five years ago, I would have laughed in your face. Like, what? I, I, I don't totally. The thing about Jordan line, right? They always made you feel some kind of way, right? Yeah. Like, like you'd see a window and you go, "What the fuck is that?" Right? <laughs> or you'd see a strap and you go, "That looks completely out of place," right? But like a LeBron nowadays, it just looks like that could be a Nike basketball shoe with no signature player attached to it. And to me, that's what this kind of looks like. This looks like that the upper of the KD 13, which again, I don't think was anything all that special. And then uh-huh. the, the, the sole of the Kobe four. Yeah. And you know, honestly, it, 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 I feel like Nike designers, I feel like Nike designs have just gotten very, um, in my opinion, I feel like they've, they've been very stale. Like a lot of the Kyrie Irving line, I feel like a lot of those shoes just look the same versus what you were just saying. Like when I was a kid, just, you know, in the 90s and and, and, and even in the late 90s, early 2000s, as a teenager, it was just like, wow, like this, the, the, the designs were exciting to me. Like looking in the back of like a, a Slam magazine mm-hmm. or because I feel like that was our IG, right? You know, the Slam magazine yeah. with sneak pics of kicks or, you know, that East Bay magazine at a friend's house. You know, it, it's it was just one of the things that was really cool to me. So now, I noticed recently you said something on your on your IG page that I totally agreed with. The stuff on Marbury shoe, the Starberry, where he had the uh, the deal with uh, uh, was it uh, Stephen Berry's mm-hmm. brick and mortar stores. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I thought that was a really cool thing. What he was doing with the price point and just even just the quality of the shoe. So now yeah. with I was reading recently where it said that Kyrie Irving is leaving Nike. Do you see him maybe going in that direction of what Stephon Marbury did and then before that, Patrick Ewing, where it wasn't necessarily an affordable shoe, but it was a cool shoe. Like me growing up in the Tri-State area as a kid, like 
I wanted a pair of Paxi Wings so bad because of the strap with the 33 mm-hmm. to fit over. Like, could you see LeBron maybe doing something like that? Well, I don't think LeBron. I don't think I'm not. LeBron. I'm sorry, not LeBron. I meant Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie. The thing about Kyrie, Kyrie's completely. He's very unpredictable, and I know that that pisses a lot of people off. Like for me, I think it's great. I think um, I don't agree with you know half the, the shit he's moaning about, but like you know, I I agree with your right to moan. Like do what you you know do what you want to do. I mean, I, I used to work corporate as well, and. Uh, when I left corporate, everyone told me I was crazy. And I was just like, dude, I hate this. What do you want me to tell you? Like, I hate it. So uh, as far as what he's doing, I have no idea what he's doing. Um, his his line has been marketed primarily to young kids. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of his, the storytelling, you know, SpongeBob and uh, like School Bus. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of playful in a way, but um, I don't know if he's going to go the same way as uh, – yeah, there's a lot of parts to your question. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that that go into this whole thing. But I mean, like, you know, you talk about Ewing, you could also talk about Elijahon, right? Because Elijahon yeah. left and he did the Spalding thing, and he said that the whole reason he was doing Spalding was because, you know, he wanted kids to be able to afford his shoes, and I think his shoes were nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents at the time back in, you know, nineteen. Remember that? I remember that. Were, I, remember, I remember he had like exclusive deal with I think was it Kmart or one of those stores. Yeah, I remember that. Did well, I know. I don't remember where they were selling them because they didn't film where I live, but um, they were Spalding's, right? And, you know, everyone was kind of – everyone joked a little bit back and forth. But the, the whole Marbury thing, to me, it was fascinating because I used to I, – I looked at Marbury. Marbury was the first NBA player that I looked at because we were around the same age. And I said, well, that guy is just like a normal person. He's not, he's not a, a god amongst men. He's just a normal person who plays basketball, and he just happens to play really good. So when, right. when he – you know, when he had his little meltdown, I actually took it kind of personally. Like, I was like, dude, this guy, I, I, I thought you were so great, and here you are melting down. And then once I actually watched the documentary and just saw a little bit, you know, behind what was going on behind the scenes and just saw, like, it, I, I liked him even more. It was just like this was a dude who was struggling with all the stuff that was thrown on him, and this is how he decided to deal with it. And the way that he decided to deal with it, away from the shoe companies, I mean, did you watch the N one documentary? Yes. So the two documentaries that I've watched, I watched the N one. I recently watched the N one documentary on Netflix, and yeah. then um, back, I think back in like the height of the pandemic, I watched the stuff on Mulberry um, documentary on Amazon. Yeah, the kid from Coney, I think it was called. Yep, the kid from Coney Island. Yep. Yeah. So, so those two things. I mean, I didn't know that he injured himself his very first time wearing the N one. Yeah. One. I did yeah. not know yeah. that, but that I didn't realize that either. I was like. I was a freshman in high school, so I was really paying attention to basketball around that, and I just I don't remember that either. Yeah, that's pretty. It's it's fascinating, but remember, like that at that period, I mean, Nike wasn't the clear winner. I mean, it might have been, you know, numbers wise, but like in my school, I mean, like people didn't give a shit if you were rocking Nike, Adidas, Reebok, and one. As long as it was different than what everyone else had, you were you were fine. You know, so. Yeah. At that time, Nike wasn't the clear winner. At this point right now, I mean, obviously Nike is, is the clear winner. And now to, to go a step further with what you were talking about with Kyrie and, and LeBron, and uh, LeBron, he, he kind of has to play it safe, I think, right? Because anything he, he does can and will be scrutinized by the media. So he plays it very safe and very smart, right? Kyrie, on the other hand, it, it appears that he needs a bit more flexibility and a bit more freedom, right? Mm-hmm. So you can almost look at this in the terms of how, how you would look at Kanye West with Nike versus Kanye West with Adidas. And now Kanye West, is, he's not a designer, right? He has ideas and he gives them to professional designers who then, you know, take those ideas and, and create silhouettes, right? So with Nike, he had to basically use a whole bunch of parts that they already had, right? Mm-hmm. And he just created these kind of hybridized versions of um, what he wanted to see based on what at least what I believe based on what Nike gave him to work with, right? Whereas when he went to Adidas, they just gave him a whole design and said, yo, do whatever you want to try and do, right? So uh, I think just the nature of Nike, um, and, you know, you said a lot of the designs and designers are kind of falling flat lately, and I think it's, 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 it's I think they're running out of ideas. I mean, they're, they're putting out, I, I put this on my Instagram, which this number is, it's it's not necessarily reflective of Nike, but 25 billion shoes are produced every year, and that's just, you know, in aggregate, 25 billion pairs of shoes a year. There's 8 billion people on, on planet Earth. So that's three 
pairs of shoes for every single person. Now, that's all over the world, all cultures, everything. It, 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 it feels like it's a bit much, and it feels like it's completely flooded. So in order to make waves in the sneakers, you know, in the sneaker world, as far as sneaker design is concerned, you have to attach yourself to uh, a catalyst, which is basically somebody who's going to generate hype for your product, regardless of what your product is. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so Kyrie no longer generates hype, right? And I don't know if he ever did. LeBron can generate hype, right? But he's not going to do it with new releases. He's going to do it with old releases, just, you know, slight twists on them. So, I mean, I know I'm, I'm about 100 miles from where we started that question, but I think, like, I who knows what Kyrie's going to do. It would be dope, you know, if he wanted to go that route, but I, I don't see him doing anything that anyone uh, expects him to. <laughs> I can, I think that's a safe thing to say about Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. So now, you know, I feel like also too when I was a kid. So I remember like Nike's football line. I remember Reebok's football line. Like I was a Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders fan. But yep. Emmitt Smith had really cool looking Reebok sneakers, and I remember I begged my dad for a pair. And, you know, that was back in the day in the 90s where, you know, you could go to the mall. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the sneakers, even the Jordans, they would be on sale and you'd be able to get them maybe right there in your size. It was no, yep. you know, there wasn't yep. a, it wasn't that big of a deal. And I remember getting those Reeboks, but it's like lately I've been noticing that Reebok has been doing some retros, but they keep retroing the Allen Iverson answer and the first Shaq attack. I'm like, Reebok. Can you give me some other retros, please? What, what do you think the reason is maybe for not doing that and just sticking with those two retros for right now? Well, the thing is, like, Nike is brilliant when it comes to marketing. And Adidas is not – I think they're, they're, they're very smart uh, globally. Right? I think Nike is – they got their pulse on America, like, period. Right? But I don't know that they have the global market on lock the same way that Adidas does. Right? Like, when I travel the world, everyone has a pair of Adidas. Everyone has a pair of Adidas all over the world. You know, some places, I mean, sure, I'll see Nikes, you know, here or there. But, like, when I went to Africa, I mean, I, I would say that I just did not see Nikes, period. Right? I saw Adidas everywhere. Right? And I saw that people's so shirts. Cool. I mean, it, you know, that was 10 years ago. Right? But it, it, it kind of – it put those two brands in my head as, like, okay, Adidas is for the global consumer. Nike is really for the American consumer. Right? And it, it, you could almost say – a very similar thing that I noticed is that there were Chelsea jerseys everywhere, right? I don't know if you watch football, but yep, Chelsea, Chelsea, I, yep. saw, I saw at least one Chelsea jersey worn by somebody in every single country I've been to, and I've probably been to like 80 countries, right? And now uh, in America, you know, on the flip side, you could say that there's a, a – I always equated it to a Yankee hat, right? Because <laughs> I would see a Yankee hat in any any city I went to in America, period, up until maybe 10 years ago. Right, but it was like okay, the the Yankee hat really represents America. The Chelsea jersey represents the the world, and I equated the Chelsea jersey with uh, Adidas, and I equated the Yankee hat with Nike, right? And that's just kind of my way of looking at things. Now, now Reebok, on the flip side, in the '90s, Reebok really had a thing going for them because Nike wasn't the clear winner, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Like Nike just they 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 were there. They had interesting, uh, a lot of, I, I would say, a lot more conservative uh, designs as opposed to what Reebok was pushing out. Reebok was pushing out some wild designs, right? And um, they, they, were, they were hits in their kind of corner of the market. Um, why they don't release things nowadays? Because I don't think they have the confidence that they're going to reach uh, Nike's level of sales with them. Okay. Right? So that they go with the one that they keep on knowing is going to, you know, continually um, – I think it was good, Burger told me this. He said, if they know that they can't get more than 20,000, or if they think they can't get more than 20,000 sales on any particular shoe, they're not going to, they're not going to even sell that shoe, right? So they're confident that they get 20,000 sales on uh, every pair of uh, questions that they release, right? Now, mm-hmm. now, in my opinion, like you were talking there a minute with Emmett Smith, those Emmett Smith, they'd retro those in probably, I want to say 2000 and maybe 2006, they retroed the ES-22. I, I'm not positive, but I think that's where it was. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the ES-22, they also retroed the, um, I think there was a Reebok, I think it was called Preseason. Oh, the Reebok also, Preacher. I know what you're talking about. The Preacher. No, no the, preacher, the, preacher? the Preacher was a basketball shoe. No, the Preacher was a basketball oh, shoe that Shaq used to wear. Yep. It was, it was a, a, 
it was a football, like a turf shoe that said preseason on it. And it reminded me of Barry Sanders, but it wasn't the Barry Sanders shoe. I know exactly um, what you're talking about now. Yep, now anything like it says preseason on the side. Yep. Yes, yeah, and they 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 retroed that one, and in my opinion, they they did pretty well. And I actually looked for, I, you know, I probably looked for that Emmett Smith shoe up until about a year ago. You know, I look for it once a year just to see if there's any super cheap, you know, prices on it on Macari or eBay or whatever, and I I can't find it. I think that that's come somewhat of a a, a cult hit for fans of that shoe. They mm-hmm. Reebok. They just they don't they don't market anything, right? They don't have marketing anymore, right? And and they've been going through these different um, ownership structures. I I want to say the last I heard was that they were owned by Adidas, but then Adidas was selling them off. I mean I, I'm not I don't think they have proper management is really what it comes down to it. They don't have anybody who sees the vision of the legacy of the brand, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that. I mean that really is kind of what Nike's riding off is the legacy of the brand. That every big release is, is a legacy shoe. Like, how? I don't know. How hard would it be to, you know, get someone in that position who sees the power of the legacy of Reebok and pushing that stuff out there? I mean, like, I, I did this '90s basketball set. Did I tell you about this? Or have you, you heard about this '90s basketball set of cards we we did? And we're releasing at the end of this month. It, we did it, '90s. It, 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 I want you to tell the story. It, it's funny you say that because my next question was actually going to be about that. But go. <laughs> Please yeah, so go ahead. It. I want to hear about this. <laughs> uh, we we wanted to do um, 90s basketball shoes, right? There's There's got to be more than 1,000 90s basketball shoes. And these are things that I found just through my own research. And I'm not even a good researcher when it comes to this stuff, right? Like I talked to a guy like, like uh, shit, what's his name? Um, Seth, Soul to Soul, right? S-O-U-L-I-I-S-O-L-E. Um, he knows everything in the world about, you know, 90s basketball. But I, I talked to him, you know, and he gave me a list of shoes he thought I should include. I included most of them. But I we only did a set of 200 shoes and maybe about 100 of those in Nikes. And then we got, you know, 25 Reeboks, 25 Adidas, 25, um, you know, just random brands. And there are just a shitload of Reeboks in there, right? And And when you see them, if you were there at the time, you remember them. But they've totally uh, – been erased from our memory because they're, they're just never present in social media, right? Like when I saw the Reebok, I think it's called the Reebok Kingpin. When I when I was doing my research and I found the Reebok Kingpin again, you should look that shoe up. I mean, I remember seeing that shoe as a kid, but I have not seen that shoe since I was a kid. Right now, any model in the in the Nike line, ninety five percent of them, I've seen since I was a kid. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like they, they've all been somewhere to where I see them because Nike's just so damn good at marketing and pushing, you know, social at this point. So I think Reebok, I mean, really, like if you talk to Nick Engvall, he's a, he's a brilliant writer. He does um, a sneaker history podcast. I mean, he's a huge fan of Reebok, huge fan of questions, huge fan of other things. And he will tell you that, you know, it's it all just kind of stems from the top in, in which, uh, you know, the people who lead this brand don't, don't understand, don't see, don't care for the legacy of uh, the brand. And I, I, you know, I, I'd agree. I mean, and I don't even really pay attention to Reeboks like that. That's just, just makes sense. No, my that just makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. Like, how could you miss out on that? I mean, I know Fila. There's this dude, Louis Cologne, I think his name was, who um, got hired by Fila, I don't know, five or ten years ago, and he brought back the Fila Disruptor. And I know the Fila Disruptor is whatever you know, you say whatever you want about it, but like that was a huge shoe a few years ago and it's still I still see it. Right. So yeah. he took he took an old shoe and he he, he gave it a bit of a uh, he breathed new life into it by understanding the market, understanding the marketplace dynamics of uh, you know, social media. Like I just I don't understand I, I don't think Reebok really understands the power of social media. And I also think you could apply that to uh and one, right? Same thing. I think you could apply it to Puma. I think you could apply it to all these brands. Like Puma is just at this point you look at what Puma's doing, Puma, Puma's just paying people to, to advertise their products. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it just comes off as so corny and it just looks so bad. Right. And it's, I just don't think they understand, you know, how to get into to, to people's heads like Nike does. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's just, it just, it looks real bad optically. Right. It, it comes off as, is it comes off as almost, like uh, like the best way I can describe it, or I think of it, it comes off as like that one guy in high school 
or in college who would just who was just so sleazy. He would just tell a girl anything, didn't matter mm-hmm. how she looked. He would just tell her that she's just the best thing. He would just you just come on yeah. so desperate and just oozing with it. And, and you're right, that's exactly what Puma's doing right now. It was very lazy, is what it looks like. Like I, I think I almost think like Reebok doesn't, they don't know any better. I feel like Puma, they they know a little better. They just don't want to. They just don't want to go the extra mile. And I don't know how I got on Puma from this, but like, <laughs> I think Reebok, Reebok. It feels like Reebok is just fucking clueless. It just feels like they're absolutely clueless to what people want. I mean, you see they're doing these, these Mason, I, I think it's Maison Margiela. Yep. Uh, I mean, this, this is a $400 retail sneaker. It's, it's a black sneaker. And I, like, who are they Who are they trying to hit with this? Are they trying to hit the fashionistas? Because, sure, you'll sell a couple, right? But, like, you're, you're definitely not selling 20,000 pairs of that shoe, right? And do you want to right. sell 20 pairs of the shoe? It, 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 it just doesn't. I don't understand the high fashion collaborations. It's the exact same shoe. It just has a different name on it, and it and they, they mark up the price 4x, 3x. No, you're so, right. Cause, yeah. This, 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 it's a, it's a, it feels like a very massive disconnect between um, the consumer and the brand. Because, yeah, because I remember when Reebok, like, you have, you have my mind, like, going back here, thinking about, like, the 90s basketball shoes. I remember they had, like, the uh, the above the rim series, like, they're, like yeah. the – the Reebok above the rim, and that was like a whole. Cause I remember going to uh, Charles Smith basketball camp as a kid, and oh. when Charles Smith camp, and he was a, I, I'm assuming he must have been a Reebok. Um, he must have had some type of. Deal. He had he was wearing Reeboks because our, the T-shirts that that they gave us as campers, you know, it's a Charles Smith, Charles Smith Foundation on the front of the shirt, and on the back of it was the the Reebok above the rim logo. <laughs> right, so that, that, that was a dope logo too. Yeah, imagine imagine the kind of cross branding opportunity they could have had if they approached Death Row and Interscope, Interscope Records with that whole, you know, the Tupac movie. Yeah, that, that I mean, that, yeah, that would have been. I mean, huge. that movie is a, it's a, it's a cult classic too. I mean, like, absolutely, they had the exact same name. The logo on Above the Rim stuff was I love that logo. I think that is like a triangular logo. Yeah, I, I, just, I think that, that that would have been good, but again, there's this massive disconnect. I think, I think Nike uh, and somewhat Adidas, um, they mm-hmm. recognize the the power of the the streets, right? And I mean, I'm not like a street dude or anything like that, but like I, I grew up skateboarding and uh, I, I really got into to basketball, right? And I just realized like these are two versions of a very same, very similar language. Right, like, like it's it's concrete. It's trying to make do with concrete, and uh, Nike has they've perfected the art of speaking to um, the street. And Adidas still, Adidas feels like they are talking to the soccer field, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not that that's a street soccer field or uh, grass soccer field, and Reebok feels like they're talking to corporations. Right, and just uh, shareholders is what they feel like they're talking to. And it's just a massive disconnect. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that explains some of the things as to why they're doing some of the things that they do. Um, Yeah. My next question for you is, and you you talked about some of this, you touched on this, um, but I want you to elaborate this on even a little bit more. Um, What was your inspiration for the sneaker cards? I think it's just such a, a dope concept that you're doing with that like i remember like you did like the the year max series one like just can mm-hmm. you just explain that for, for people because i think that is just such a cool dope concept like where they could even purchase these cards from that as well yeah uh so during the pandemic um i was really just trying to figure out what to do with my hands <laughs> i was just like what am i supposed to do with myself now right and, and i'm <laughs> sitting there and i'm sitting there uh just looking at all my shoes and I'm not going anywhere. So I can't wear any of my shoes. I'm just getting frustrated. Just like, dude, what, you know, why do I have all this shit that I can't enjoy? Um, and then I started following this tops project 2020 thing, which is where they took 20 kind of street artists, uh, not necessarily street artists, but I just consider them people who, you know, they, they um, connect with young people and they had them reimagine 20 of their most famous uh, iconic baseball cards. And they would release them, you know, two a day, every day for uh, 200 year, 200 days of the year. So there was 400 cards in all. Anyway, 
uh, I looked at it and I was just like, why, did, why hasn't anyone done sneaker cards? And then I started thinking and immediately my mind went to uh, my days um, when I lived in New York and uh, I used to roll around the Lower East Side um, looking for dunks, right? Because Dunk SBs back in the early 2000s, it was, it was just a fun electric period of uh, sneaker collecting, right? Nobody knew what we were doing down there. Um, and we were just doing it just for the fun, right? We were down there just looking at new shoes every weekend, right? Looking at new uh, SBs, trying to get our hands on the latest SBs because whatever it is that they tapped into in the early 2000s, um, to me, it was like, this reminds me of collecting baseball cards. Mm-hmm. And I, I collected baseball cards from, I don't know, probably 1987 to 1991 or something like that. And it just totally reminded me of the same thing, like just the thrill of, the hunt first off was it, it felt like walking into five stores was like opening packs and uh just the different this is going to sound weird but like the different personalities behind sneakers reminded mm-hmm. me of the different personalities behind ball players right it was just like oh that one is my favorite that one's good that one makes me feel this way because uh, it represents my hometown, just like that guy does, right? And it, it really just—I I really equated cars with sneakers in like 2000. I didn't decide to build any until, um, well, until that idea hit me at the beginning of the pandemic, and I had nothing else to do. So uh, I, I created this um, set of dunk cards, just all I taught myself Photoshop, which I thought was like a big accomplishment, but you know nobody really seems to care. <laughs> But I was able to keep myself Photoshop. But for me, you know, 40-year-old guy, it was a big deal. Um, and I created this whole set, and then I showed it to a couple of friends. And uh, one of my friends, that guy I brought back a minute ago, Nick Engel, uh, he says to me, you know, you should do something that, that um, will fall on the calendar. Because dunks are kind of, um, they're everywhere. Right? They're all there all the time. There's no dunk day. Uh, mm-hmm. And my mind just immediately said, oh, Kobe. Kobe does. Because, you know, it's 2022. 20, or sorry, 2020, yep. and Kobe had just died in uh, yep. Jan- January, and I was thinking, I hope we do something special for Kobe Day, 824. And so I went and I uh, created this whole Kobe set, and then I um, I started uh, looking on Alibaba and DHgate for uh, manufacturers. Well, I shouldn't say that first. I I looked for stateside manufacturers, um, and mm-hmm. I realized that all the stateside manufacturers I found were just going to. Uh, manufacturers in in china anyway and they were just upcharging me because they were the middleman so um once i figured that out i just went to the the manufacturers directly and i just started uh talking with them i have a good friend who lives out in Guangzhou, uh Guangzhou. i don't know how to pronounce it but um he helped me with the language barrier and we got a, a set done um once we got that first set done we just created all these you know packs and boxes i sent a few out people said they thought they were really cool they enjoyed ripping them um and that's when I started working on the dunk set. Uh, once the dunk set um, went out, which I really like the dunk set. Dunk set to me is more like the personal history, you know, and maybe young folks don't like that one because it's like it's early 2000s dunks mm-hmm. um, and they, they want 2020s dunks. Uh, but for me, that was like, this is this is my wheelhouse because I feel every single one of these, these cards, every single one of these shoes, um, so when I released that one, that was fun. And then I met this dude, Sons of Black Maria, who lives in Spain, and he was just really into what I was doing, and we decided to do an Air Max set. And the Air Max set, I'm really proud of the way that these um, sets kind of improved with each and every uh, iteration. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were a lot of fun. Uh, the drawback, I think, is that um, I, I think people like ripping cards uh, for the gambling aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, my cards are not really about gambling aspects. You're not going to hit a $10,000 card, right? Uh, I have sold plenty of these single cards, you know, for, you know, 10, 20. I sold one card for $300 um, that I created. Uh, That's awesome. It, it was, but then I, I actually, I, I missed it so much. I bought it back from the dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it, it's hard to... Um, create a market when you're one person. Yeah, so, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if if I'm Panini, you know, Panini, the thing that killed me about Panini, I was looking up a, a checklist because I was trying to figure out how, how big my checklist should be. And, you know, I, I remembered when I was a kid, a baseball card, 
that checklist was like four four to six hundred cards, and that yep. seemed like a that seemed like a lot. Um, yep. I looked at Panini's latest checklist, and there's like fourteen thousand cards. Oh, and I was just like fourteen thousand. Like it, it just blew my mind. Um, so I I my my thing was like, okay, I want somebody to be able to get a full set out of every box. Um, so I'm going to put 100 cards in a box, and I'm going to make 75 cards the, the set, and hopefully they can pull a full set from that that box. Um, you know, the, the packs thing, it became kind of wasteful, and it became a little bit um, difficult to package uh, with the Air Max packs. They, we noticed a mistake after they packed up everything. They literally had to go and open every single pack and reshuffle the cards and then put them in all new packs. I mean, it was just incredibly wasteful. I felt really bad. Um, this last set we've done, I mean, this one has been, it's like a year and a half in the making. And the, the worst part is I don't feel like it's going to sell that well. Right? But I'm, I just, I'm continually asked, I'm continually asking myself, am I doing this to sell? Or am I doing this because I have tons of useless knowledge that uh, I finally found a use for? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, on that set, though, I'm not, I'm not cutting you off, but on that set right there, though, you, you already have one sale. Just give me an information. Figure out <laughs> I'm, and I'm buying the set, so you already have one sold, just so you know. Well, there we go. If I get one sold, I mean, like, <laughs> one sold, <laughs> it, it's good. No, it, it's, uh, I appreciate that, you know, and, and if anybody who's listening wants to buy it, it's going to be at shop.thesneakersdevant.com on October 25th. Uh, this one I, I wanted to do a little bit different because I noticed that people were getting a little bit frustrated that they weren't getting the insert cards that they wanted, right? So okay. I made various inserts that were, you know, rarer than others. Um, some cards were just almost impossible to get unless you got, you know, 500 packs. Um, so this one I decided to just do a, a complete set. So we got complete box sets, 200 cards of uh, 200 different shoes, basketball shoes from the 90s. Um, and then we did uh, just insert cards that you could buy one by one. So those are also available at uh, shop.thesneakersdevant.com right now. Once the full set goes live, though, I'm going to put whatever I have remaining because I had a lot of these printed or, you know, a number of each of these printed. Mm-hmm. They're just going to go up on the site until they sell out. Um, so okay. some of them are going to sell out. Some of them are not. Uh, what I have that's really interesting, which you might uh, – I. It's it's what sucks about my elevator pitch is it's always too long, right? Like I, I know you asked me a question like ten minutes ago. I'm still going off on it right now about the. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, I just I talk because I feel like there's just so much information. But um, our ele- elevator pitch for one of these was the whole concept of this set came out because uh, I was I was looking at some of my old uh, No Limit um, CDs and I, just the art. I don't know if you remember the art from the old No Limit SP. Yeah. Hot boy. I remember the I love, I love that shit. And so when Sons of Black Maria hit me up, I was like, yo, do you want to try and do this this idea? And so what we did was we created a set of 10 cards um, for the NBA set that included 10 players and uh, 10 shoes that they wore. Right. So, for example, I'm looking at them right now. I've got them on my wall. Uh, one of the shoes is uh, Grant Hill with uh, the GH2. So oh, one, of two, one of my favorite players of all time. I love his first three pair of felines. Oh, yeah. So we took that, we took that concept, Grant Hill with the GH2 and his nickname, which was G Money, and we created a No Limit album cover with him and the shoe on the front. Oh, so so living on the like it was almost like, like Master P was like, almost like coming off the album. So I had like the oh gosh, that is so dope. <laughs> yeah, they look. I mean, they're great because you know Sons of Black Maria is just such an incredible artist. And, and the thing is, is like he he understands me when I'm telling him something, you know. And I, I think it's rare to find somebody you work with that work that well with. So we mm-hmm. we bang this set out, and we've been just trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. So, you know, when the NFT craze came up, um, I had a few musicians contact me about NFTs. Um, one of these guys who, who who's followed me for a long time, and I followed him, and we, we interact a lot on the app, on Instagram. We never met in person. Is this dude named Stan Kofa, um, and he's a, he's a rapper from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and he's asked me about NFTs, and then my other buddy, this guy I used to work with, who's a producer, was asking me about NFTs. And I, I got them both on the phone one day. I just, like, said, hey, you guys want to talk for a minute? And I was, yeah, whatever. I said, well, you guys, me and Sons of Black Mirror came up with this, these 10 cards of these 10 players and these 10 shoes from the 1990s and you guys are asking about music. What do you say we, we create an album 
about these 10 players and these 10 shoes, you know, from the 90s and give it kind of a 90s, a 90s feel to it. And so Sankofa, he wrote 10 raps, one for each of the cards, one for each of the players, and he rapped from their perspective, right? So if he's Grant Hill, oh, he's, he's, he's rapping about these. And then my buddy, he, he produced it. So over the last six months, we've been doing this whole, um, this whole project with an album and cards and uh, it, it's it's going to drop on the 18th, October 18th. Sankofa is going to be selling the CD on his um, website, uh, and I'm going to start selling the cards on on the lead up to this. So I'm going to be selling the cards for 9.99 each. Um, and it, it was just I'm really fucking proud of it, right? I, I, yeah, I, I you should I, be. Like, this is some dope shit right here. Like yeah, it's. it's it, it was fun and it was great and it sounds dope and I, it really grew on me and I, you know never did I think that me liking sneakers would have the sneaker salon as an executive producer credit on a on an actual physical CD that we're releasing so it, it was just a whole shitload of fun you know we timed it all out well and everyone's really proud just because we were able to accomplish it right and now. Again, uh, to circle back to what we're saying, like, Sankofa, he, he puts out a lot of rap. He puts out a lot of music every year. I think he, this is like his 10th album of the year. Wow. And, uh, and we talk, you know, because he, he's, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're both dads and we were both, he's he's like, an, he's, he's a kindergarten teacher, I believe, by day. And at night he raps. And I'm always kind of voicing my worry with sales he's like well i mean there's two different things right are you doing it for fun or are you doing it for sales are you doing it for expression or are you doing it for sales are you doing it for this or are you doing it for that and if you follow me for as long as you follow me you know that i'm i'm really not doing anything for sales right. <laughs> i'm doing it i'm doing it because i need to get the shit out of my head and i need to get up off my chest right so that's that's what this whole thing is about and now i'm just so happy that we we're able to create something with four other people to, you know, one person's producing, one person's rapping, and then one person does the art, and then the other person gets the shit out of their head, and we've actually created one cohesive product just by, uh, just because we had to get it out there, right? We're not going to be fucking millionaires off this thing, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know, but it was a whole hell of a lot of fun. So that's one piece of this that's going to start hitting my gram in about a week. That is so cool. Like I'm, like I, I am excited with anticipation for this, just because I feel like I am not creative at all, and the the whole concept of me doing the whole idea of me doing a podcast is just because um, I had an opportunity early in my 30s where I did have my own radio show, but okay, when you don't know what the hell you're doing, and you're responsible for, I was responsible for. The station, you know, they gave me my show, so I had the slot. But I was responsible for keeping my show on the air. So what I mean by that is I had to go out and get ads and, and, and sell that ad space to keep that revenue coming into yeah. the station. But yeah. in my late 20s, early 30s, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I had a my day job was working at a hospital as a tech. So mm -hmm. I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. And and. I lost, well, that, unfortunately, because I didn't know what I was doing, I lost it on the opportunity. But now this this podcast is my way of keeping it going. And what you just said, I just totally received where it's like, you know, are you doing this for money or are you just doing this for expression or just for love? And, and for me, I'm just doing yeah. this for for expression and love. So it's, well, there's, you know. The, 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 you know, and the thing that you said that right there, it, it, it adds to it when it starts costing you money. Yep. Right, so if it's costing you money and you're doing it for love, then it becomes a little bit difficult, right? And and you know these cards they cost me money, right? But but at the end of the day, like what I've done for myself out of it is is worth it to me. It, it's probably not worth it to most people, but to me it's worth it. And and then also what you said, you know, like I wouldn't even necessarily consider myself creative in like all I had was the idea. I didn't actually create the raps. I didn't create the beats. I didn't create the art. All I had was the idea. And that kind of goes to show, though, that um, even if, you know, you have a podcast or even if you have a radio show or even if you have, uh, even if all you do is draw or all you do is this or all you do is that, whatever, it, it everyone has a different strength 
and everyone can utilize that strength with other people, right? Because what we've managed to create is not something that any single one of us could have created alone, yet four people were able to create this thing together, right? And, and I feel like my, my contribution is somewhat limited, but I also know that fucking none of these dudes would have ever talked to each other even once if I didn't come up with a damn idea. You know? right. So this yeah. absolutely would not be in the world if it wasn't for any one of us. And that's, that's an important thing to notice as well, which, and, and it gets like, no, maybe it shouldn't, but it doesn't really get all that much um, attention, you know? So uh, you got a great, you know, you got a great voice for podcasting as well, you know, and you, you, you're kind of pushing it along. So I understand. Um, I'm sorry I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. So last question before you go. <clears throat> this is something that you that you that you have like this eye for. Like you are just gosh, you to me are just you are like my, my guiding light and my encyclopedia with, with when it comes to this these to sneakers and things like that. So my question for you is well before I ask this question, I will say one thing. So now me, I, I'm I'm staring at forty, right? Like I'm I'm looking forty. Me and forty are, you know, we're months apart now. Yeah. And I tell my wife, who is not a sneakerhead, that I'm going to stop. I'm going to slow down. So I'm not going to stop. I'm going to slow down. But I find myself, I'm not going for this thing. Like, I'm not going for things that I really wanted anymore. I find myself now looking at Saconis, like, okay, I just grabbed this pair. Because now, for me, it's about comfort. It's not even about this. Mm-hmm. Does it look good and is it comfortable? And that's just where I'm at with it now. So, Yeah. Yeah, the, the the this stage of sneaker collecting is really interesting, right? For for me, and you know, for probably people like me and people who are kind of burnt out on on all of the 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 messaging, right? And I think though, at the end of the day, what kills me about the whole thing, mm-hmm. and what bothers me is, I, I don't need any of this shit anymore. I mean, yeah. you could easily wipe out ninety five percent of my collection, mm-hmm. and I can go the rest of my life without having another pair of sneakers, like physically. It's it's mentally. They have our hooks in us, bro. Yeah. And I, I think we think it's about comfort. I don't think it's – I mean, I, I think – I mean, if it was really about comfort, we'd just all be walking around in, in Monarchs all day. Good point. Great, great. You know what? Yeah. I never thought about that. Like, it was a great fucking point. <laughs> no, the, 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 I'm trying to – I'm trying to undo – all of this uh, programming that, that that these brands have kind of put into us. And mm-hmm. it's fucked up because I'm also a brand who's trying to program people into deprogramming, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's, it's I, I wish there was a simpler form of, of mental liberation from this stuff. Because you got to remember, I, I'm reading this book right now, and actually it's funny because I just pitched a, a article concept to um, – ESPN. I want to write an article about how now some people are probably going to take this a little bit the wrong way, but how it seems that uh, the swoosh is far more evocative or pervasive than the cross at this point. Right. Mm. And a hundred years ago, the cross was, you know, was what it was, but now the swoosh is producing the same kind of endorphins that the cross wants to produce for people. And I, 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 I really think it has a lot to do with um, psychologists behind the marketing of these companies and stuff that they're kind of putting it out in the way that we're seeing it, in the way that we're consuming it. And I don't think our bodies are really ready for um, yeah, the, the, the brand messaging that we've been just consuming and eating up every fucking day for you, know, for you and I for the last 40 years. Yeah. You know, so I I think at this stage of collecting for me, like I feel like if I buy another pair of shoes, I'm going to puke, but I feel like I'm not going to even go throughout my day without buying another pair of shoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no you're absolutely right. It, it's it, it, it's funny you say that because it, it's you it, it's funny you say that because I remember uh, recently um I was at the eye doctor's and I talked to my eye doctor and I have really bad like dry eyes, so. He's like, listen, this used to be a thing where it would happen to people older, older people, but he's like, it's happening to people younger and younger because of the amount of times that you spend in front of the screen. So like mm-hmm. with my job, for example, 
if I go into the office, I'm in front of three screens. If I'm at home, if I'm at home, it used to be two screens, but now when I'm working remote, I'm in front of three screens all day. And then yeah. if you practice my phone, that's four screens because on the East Coast, 10 a.m., I'm inside the sneakers app <laughs> or I'm yeah. going down yeah. a rabbit hole. So it's just, you're right. And it's just, I think that is actually a cool fucking concept. And I hope ESPN goes for it because that is, yes, because you're right. And I think that's what people don't realize is that Nike has, they've revolutionized marketing to the point where, like you said, they have psychologists who are studying us. They know our, they know the age demographics. They know who this is going to sell to. And, and Foot Locker is the same damn way. Um, yeah, that, that, I get that conversation for another day off the record. But, um, yeah, Foot Locker is, well, is the same way. <laughs> and you see, you know, talking to you, you know, you see what New Balance is doing right now. I mean, this is the exact same thing that happened 10 years ago with sneakers. Exact same fucking thing, right? 15 years ago, it was all Nike SB. And yep. then people were like, oh, oh, Nike SB, uh, let's go to Air Force One. Let's go to Air Force One. Let's go, let's go to Jordan. Let's go to Air Max. Oh, now let's go yep. to a new brand. Let's do, yep. oh, Ronnie, Ronnie Fogg. I, I don't even know how to pronounce the guy's name 20 years later. Yep. Ronnie Fogg made some ASICs. Let's go to ASICs. Oh, no, he did some yep. New Balance. Let's go to New Balance. These are so comfortable. And then the fucking cycle starts all over. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, 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 to me, dude, there's going to be, unless drastic measures are taken, uh, and I mean like serious uh, therapy or, mm-hmm. you know, mental work, meditation, whatever it is, uh, you know, psilocybin, whatever it is, these, these brands have got their fucking hooks and guys like you and I. I mean, I, I, and I, that, I'm saying that I don't. I have no idea how many pairs of shoes you got, but I'm looking right now and I'm just, I just see fucking row after row after row of shoes that no one gives a shit except me. No one gives a shit about yep. except me. And it, again, you could wipe out 95% of these and I'd still be fine for the rest of my life. You know, I don't know if you saw that, that thing about Pharrell, Pharrell starting an auction site tomorrow. Did you hear about this? No. He's starting an auction site tomorrow called, uh, I think it's called Jupiter, J-O-O-P-I-T-E-R. And the whole point of his auction site is to get rid of all of the shit he's accumulated over the last 20 years as a fucking super producer. Right? There's jewelry, <laughs> it's shoes, it's clothes, it's, you know, it's all this luxurious shit that he's just getting rid of. And maybe it's my age. I don't know. Maybe it's just we get to a point in our lives where we're just like, do I need all this shit? Or maybe it 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 is like this this um maybe there's just too much shit on the market right like I think yeah. like if I hit with this uh this basketball set a year ago I think it would have sold out right but now we're a year in and I feel like everybody in the on social media is now a creator of something and they're trying to get you to buy it. And at the end of the day, there's only so much we can buy, right? There's only so much we can support before we're no longer even supporting ourselves. So, I mean, like, I keep on struggling with the idea of the set and whether or not it's going to sell. And, and that's why I'm trying to tell myself, like, yo, you did this more for yourself than you did, you know, for for the money. And that's how I'm kind of living with the idea now. You know, mm-hmm. what you're saying to your wife, man, I mean, fuck, I wish you all the luck in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, like, I'm I'm seriously considering right now. Uh, there's this um, there's this therapy called EMDR. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's eye movement detection. R I forget what the R is, but it, it's supposed to help with with certain addictions. And now I heard this dude on um, Rogan the other day, Joe Rogan. Um, his name yep. is G- G- Gabor Mate, I think, and he's like a psychologist, therapist, or something like that, and he was talking about how he had, he had a, he used to have an addiction to shopping, and, and Rogan was, like, laughing at him. What do you mean, addiction to shopping? And, I, like, to me, I know exactly what the fuck he was talking about. I have an addiction to shoes. I have an addiction to shopping. And it's something that I, I, I'm 99.8% of the way there of wanting to change it because it's so superfluous and it's so over the top. I'm just trying to figure out how to get that last 0.2% there to where I can actually fix it, right? And and I think we really need to be very deliberate with our, our decisions because mm-hmm. it's so much easier to buy shit than it is to sell shit. <laughs> no, and that that is, I think you just hit the nail on the head. It is so much easier to buy things than it is to sell things. You're absolutely right about that. 
No, that's why. That's why. Like, I don't know if you saw my post today, but today I was like, I don't give a shit what any of these dudes bought. Like, I don't give a shit what Offset bought. I don't give a fuck what you know. That's why sneakers yes. shopping on Complex is the stupidest shit in the world. I hate that show because it's like, oh. yeah, this is the reason <laughs> why these prices are so fucking high because you got little Yachty wanting to spend fifteen grand on a pair of sneakers, mm-hmm. and it's these resellers get their hands on it, and they just they just drive up the cost. They drive up the prices on StockX and all these things. Where I'm so over that shit. See, you know what a fun show would be in that case? I mean, it would be like sneaker hunting, right? Let's go hunt for some sneakers at thrift stores for good deals. That would be fun for me, right? But watching dudes just go in there and just spend money, like, that's not impressive, right? What's impressive yeah, is like, concept. The dude no, going into, like you said, going into thrift stores and just, yeah, going on the grind that way. That would be much more cool. Like, hey, he just got these for this price, and these are the OGs. These aren't even yeah. the first record. This is the OG. Yeah. That would be... It's, it's, it's the, the point being spending money is not impressive, right? Like maybe it was impressive when I was 15 or whatever, but at this stage, like spending money for clout is like so fucking pathetic to me. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. such a lame thing. It's such a call out. Like, dude, if that's what you need to do to get people to think you're interesting, like just be interesting. <laughs> right, right. Uh, be interested in other people. That will make you interested. Interesting. You know, like, it, it, it's just spending money on this shit. It's, this is what they want us to do. This is what we're doing. And now I have to deprogram and figure out how to not. And not for money's sake, for my own fucking mental health sake. Right. Just, yeah, just for, like you just said, just for peace of mind. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at my only pair of stockings right now, my West NYC cabin fever stockings, right? By the way, <laughs> comfortable <laughs> shoes. They're, they're, they're comfortable shoes. These are all. I mean, I feel like we could tell ourselves anything with these shoes. They're comfortable. They look great. They make my skin pop. You know. But, but actually, you know, you know what's making the shoes comfortable for me? My inserts. Everything with the fleet feet. Uh huh. Have my feet scanned. I put those in each of my shoes, and that's what makes my sneakers comfortable. That insert. Uh, <laughs> the problem is that also though, the insert isn't going to fit in all the shoes that you want to wear, right? That's the other problem. Is, yeah, I have to have I have multiple pairs of inserts now. Because yeah. there's certain ones that go into my favorite, all time favorite, the Jordan Three, and then there's another one that I have that go into my Dunks. There's another one I use for my Air Maxes. <laughs> and all we do here, and all we're doing is just spending more money, right? Exactly. But yeah. on that note, I'm going to have to end the show here for today. But Sneaker Savant, it has been a pleasure, and I cannot say the word thank you enough. Um, and you know maybe when you when this next launch happens with the uh, with the cards, maybe I can have you back on, or maybe have you back on at some point in November, so you can discuss and we can just have a whole show dedicated to to the cards if you would like. So maybe that'll be yeah, going man, on we, the road. Yeah, we can talk about anything. I mean, honestly, like I just I like talking to people about the stuff. And I mean, you know, just in case anybody's wondering on the the podcast right now, I mean, we never actually even spoke before this really. We never yeah. had like a real conversation before this, and this stuff just it, it goes easy, which goes to show that you're you know you're a good host in that you can keep the conversation going. And yeah, I did the conversation. I, I think this stuff is just super interesting. I feel like I would talk about it all the time if I could, you know. But got kids and life and all that shit. But <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. Uh, you take care, and I will be in touch with you. Thank you so much. All right, bye bye.